We are here. It is what is it? February 2017 for behind oh, the dean. date. We're behind. Oh, it's it's totally a date and and a year. Uh, and who knows when you're hearing this, but it's behind the DM screen where three DMs talk about their games and help each other out. All right, we and as always, we have uh, Sam Dillon. Say hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. And Mike Shea. Say hi, Mike. Hello. And me, I'm Jeff Greiner. Each of us gets 15 minutes on the clock to talk about our games and ask each other questions. So, Sam, you're up first. 15 minutes on the clock. Go. Awesome. So I am uh, running a couple of different scenarios right now. And uh, one of them is 5th edition D&D and one of them is 4th edition D&D, believe it or not. Uh, I, I What I'm doing with my 5th edition game is I, I took the... Um, the Ghost of Dragon Spear Castle, and I, you know, the first scenario from that book was the Fane of the Sun Swallower, and uh, so of course spoilers, right? So that's the story where uh, the Black Dragon comes and it attacks Crom's Hold, and it demands a tribute, and the tribute is one of the, you know, one of the altars, one of the elemental altars, right. and. Um, and then you're kind of called to Crom's Hold, and and then you go into the swamp and you try to find the dragons. Anyway, so I I took that when um, they and they get attacked by lizard folk, right? But like the dragon agrees, if you give me that tribute, I I won't attack. And then the dragon sort of flies off, but then sticks all the lizard folk on the people, and so uh, you know like a couple. You've run this adventure died. before, haven't you, for a different group? I, I did, but okay. but it was for fourth it was for fourth edition because ah. that was it was it was back when. Uh, that book first came out, so uh, so now I'm running it for fifth edition. I've kind of updated it and and I changed it a little bit, and, I, and I'm only running that portion of it. Um, I'm I'm not sort of running. I, you know, I'm kind of using that as the kickoff of a of a of a longer game. I'm not going to run the whole thing, um, but but what I'm doing is I, I'm I'm sort of throwing in the abyssal plague into it. So uh, when the when the when the party gets to Crom's hold. So it's right, at the, basically, the very beginning of the scenario. They get to Crom's hold, and they're told, "Oh, uh, one of you know, a couple of my soldiers were wounded, and I think they're poisoned, and we we need you to go off and go through the swamp and try to find this dragon's lair so that we can, you know, we can send a bigger force to attack it and overcome it." And uh, so one of the characters decided they were interested in, you know, talking to the to the poisoned soldiers. And I and I had it so that when they walked into the the little triage area where the soldiers were, the the PC notices oh that they they look really sick and they're they're that's not typically what poisoning looks like and it has some symptoms but it looks worse and they're starting to get these sores and and so basically it's a plague. And if you remember the fourth edition days, they sort of had this – they tried to do that sort of a multi-world storyline. Hmm. And it was the Abyssal Plague where – Kind of uh, they recall were, that being a thing. Yeah, and it, they didn't – so it was in the novels, and I read all the novels, so I kind of know all the backstory oh, yeah, yeah. about it. But they didn't really do a good job of putting it into the game mm-hmm. scenarios. Uh, so, so I'm sort of doing that part and you know they had they had some of the creatures like they had abyssal plague demons and whatnot uh and so they they had everything there so you could actually use it in your game they just didn't 
integrated into any published product very well, other than the Monster Manual. Uh, or you know, you know the uh, Abyssal Plague Demons are probably the best monster ever you, designed, right? Because you wrote those. You wrote yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. I forgot yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that when I went to relook up the information, and I, I was like, "Hey, Mike Shea wrote this." Yeah, I'm this awesome. is crap. I'm not yeah. using this. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, but uh, so, did you read the books before you designed those? So I took the assignment before I had read the books, and then I was on vacation, cram reading the books, and then and then <laughs> nice. wrote it, and it still wasn't quite right, which is why James Wyatt at the beginning wrote like. This doesn't quite follow the way the story goes, but this could be one version of them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, sorry. Yeah, it's it's fine. Uh, <laughs> they work perfectly. They're perfectly serviceable. They're they're really well done. Um, but they so you know so I kind of have updated that that basic kind of thing to fifth edition. Although the players don't know it yet, they they just figured out it's a plague. But they're about to leave the hole to go into the swamp to to look for the dragon lair. So I I needed them to find out that it was a plague, so that if they run across any lizard folk in the swamp, they can be careful and look for signs. Um, but basically now, Crom's hold is all up, you know, and trying to quarantine anybody who had come into contact with the the sick people and. Uh, the two, you know, the two soldiers that had been wounded who were now sick, and so there's all of this activity going on. And basically, the Baroness, who, who is an evil, she her alignment is evil, um, but she's she's one of those, you know. I, I remember when we did the review of Dragonspear, um, mm-hmm. she's she's one of those characters that was written, and her stats say she's evil, um, but it's really sort of this uh, this idea of she's just very selfish and aloof. And uh, she's more like kind of a lawful evil, you know, only because she's really selfish. So she's, she actually turns out to be a pretty well-written evil character mm-hmm. without having to be a major villain. So um, she gets mad at the group and she tells them, you need to leave the hold. And I trust that if you end up coming down with symptoms, you're not going to come back and spread your misery at this place. Because uh, even though you're the one who alerted us to the fact that this is a plague, now you've been exposed. Get out. Or you're going to be quarantined with everybody else. So now they're they're having to rush out of the hold, um, and they can't come back until they're pretty sure that they're free of the plague. But if they encounter any lizard folk, they might, you know, discover more. Which that's kind of the plan is they're probably going to discover um, more lizard folk and possibly come across a plague demon. We'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of at the very beginnings of the scenario. It's really fun, though, because uh, it's a group that hasn't played 5th edition. So they're really into it, and they're doing a lot of cool characterization things and really trying to establish themselves. And, um, you know, so, yeah, it's really fun. So so, uh, so are you doing primarily theater of the mind with them, then? Um, yeah, but mostly, yeah. I, I'll probably, you know, do, like, a sketch map more so than, like, a battle map. Sure. Um and and just see how it goes uh if uh, we haven't run any combats yet so i don't know how you know i'm kind of playing it by ear i'm Mm -hmm. I'm gonna start with just assuming that we'll do theater of the mind and not uh not need to have exact positioning yet but if somebody has a problem with it i'll be happy to sort of become more specific and precise about how we do that but that's the plan yeah and and how's uh what's what's the future with the abyssal plague storyline that you're playing with then is that is that the um, larger thread they're going to follow after they run through Dragonspear? 
Probably. It it kind of depends on how much they find it interesting, if that sure. makes sense. Um, there's enough going on that, you know, if they don't, you know, find that interesting, then they can sort of say, oh, well, it was an outbreak, but we stopped it and, you know, we're not really interested in pursuing that. Um, but uh, so uh, it, it sort of depends on how they deal with it. But um yeah, I mean, I, I that's kind of what I want to do, just to see kind of, you know, how it works and if I can make it work in 5th edition mm-hmm. and, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, it, I think it would be interesting to see how that plays out because I never got to play with it in 4th edition. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it had a lot of potential, uh, and I, I, I vaguely recall enjoying it in the novels. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. There was no, it, It's, you know, it's not like... Now with fifth edition, they have the, these cohesive storylines that they tell, and then right. it plays out in multiple formats. So. Right, and th- and that's the thing, and th- I think maybe that's what they had envisioned with some of the with the, mm-hmm. like with the fourth edition, you know, because it is it's built as a world spanning event because you know the books there was sort of the Nintir Vale book, and then um, and, and that was um, right. the the very first book right written by. Bill Slavisek, but then mm. there was like the three book series with uh, Don Basingway that was like Temple of the Yellow Skulls or something like that, mm-hmm. and those were the actual three Abyssal Plague books. And then James Wyatt had written like the Prelude book uh, that was. And I remember, I remember, yeah, uh, leaking into like some Bruce Cordell books yeah. and maybe like an Eric Scott right, yeah, book or something in the realms. Yeah, so yeah, so he it went into um it went to Dark Sun actually. Oh okay. They had a Dark Sun, a Crimson Sun uh book there. And then and yeah, it went into some Bruce Cordell like uh Sword of the Gods, I think was uh-huh. the Abyssal Plague book. Yeah. So it had all those and I read the Ninter Vale book and then I was like, Oh, that's kind of interesting and then I read the three the three part series that that still was in the Ninter Vale world and that mm-hmm. dealt with basically the the impetus or the 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 um the beginnings of the plague and and how that worked and it was really i enjoyed it i just did that though i didn't do it back in fourth edition probably if i had done that when i was actually running fourth edition when fourth edition was still an active edition i might have integrated it into my game um but i just read those like a couple months ago so uh, it's yeah. like oh well, this is it'll be interesting and maybe i'll do something with it in fifth edition so well it's one of those things that i feel like they've been trying to do at wizards of the coast and tsr for like decades and never quite pulled it all the way off they never quite got every different license and product line sort of on board uh until about until now until fifth edition then they they seem Mm -hmm. to have gotten that pulled together well and you know part of that i think is because of the slowed down release schedule honestly yeah I mean, imagine in fourth edition, you know, if they try to wrap everything up, they would have, you know, it takes longer to develop, you know, a supplement for the video game. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, It's just the pure, like, coding time and, and, you know, testing time and, you know, like the the life cycle and development cycle for a video game is so much different for than for, you know, an RPG so yeah. it, the 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 speed of releases in fourth edition. I mean, they released what like forty four hardcover books, and and ten or fifteen you know soft cover. And if books you go back to third edition, they were putting out two books a month for years. Oh yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Plus multiple so how novels do you, a month, and yeah, yeah. So you'd have to like preferentially pick one or two main things to have 
integrated into all of their other types of properties, all their other media. And it just it was probably harder to do because how do you pick the one? Well, and you'd have to know long in advance, and that's that's the issue. I think they they often and, and I don't know I don't know this, but it seems to me like that could be the issue they run into is is they don't know three years in advance, and that's when so you know so and so started working on right. this novel or the 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 seed of this adventure kind of was was being planted or whatever, you know. Right. Whereas now with fifth edition, I feel like they they met early on before the edition came out, and they had the advantage of the two year open mm-hmm. playtest, right? That they could really start looking long term and and you know yeah. they say they keep saying they've got years and years of storylines already mapped out um right and they're, they're already laying seeds for them now so yeah yeah which is interesting um you know i i just think that it, it something like that yeah they they would have had to switch to a different sort of release cycle mm-hmm. and a different development cycle for fourth edition to make that work so do you have any idea what you're planning to do with it though uh you know how's that all going to culminate for you I don't really know. Okay, <laughs> I, don't know. I got it. Is, is there know. some villain that's causing it that they'll that'll be sort of the big bad guy of the whole campaign? Or okay, but you've probably got lots of time. It's not going to be that fast moving of a campaign. Yeah, yeah, I, I have a ton of time. I, I haven't decided yet whether I want to. Um, how how I want it. You know, like I said, I'm still really sort of waiting for the players. You know, if they really sort of warm up to the idea right. of hey. We need to find the source of, you know, this plague is not just like a natural phenomenon. It's actually caused by something, mm-hmm. and they will find that out. And then, it, you know, then it's up to them if they want to pursue it or if they think it's not worth it. Then I'm not going to – I don't want to spend a lot of energy trying to get, you know, make that all – that whole setup right. for a big reveal or something if they're really not that interested so in it. So you're just throwing out hooks at this point and see what they latch on right. to. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Exactly. So So we'll see. It's a great deal of fun. Um, so yeah, I haven't played. A, I have not played a lot of Fifth Edition up till now. You know, I played a little bit when it first came out. I played the playtest for a couple of years, mm-hmm. um, and then and when the actual you know PHB was released, I was still playing, and we transitioned over to the PHB. But then then that game only lasted another two months, and then we switched to a different system. Um, and so I haven't played a lot of Fifth Edition. So I'm I'm just sort of now I feel like I'm playing catch up a little bit even though yeah. you know I've still I I have all the releases and I've been keeping up and I read all of the um you know like the the Unearthed Arcana articles and I you know all that but I haven't been playing up until now consistently so now I'm like oh yeah I forgot I liked this part about fifth edition and oh yeah I forgot they had this and uh-huh. you know so it's this this fun discovery period again for me cool. yeah the nice thing is it's a lot easier to catch up in fifth than it would be in fourth. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and yeah. what do you mean by catch up? Do, do you feel? Yeah, I mean, you, read you the player's handbook. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't feel a, an yeah. obligation to run through all the adventures, and if that's not mm-hmm. what you're doing, then you, there's not a lot no, to catch no, up. No. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Just in terms of you know, because I play a lot of different games, so just in terms of refreshing my memory about, yeah. oh yeah, what's different about this system, and what are they doing, and oh yeah, yeah, I remember. So yeah, that's what I mean by catch up. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because yeah, other than adventures, it's basically just the core books and Sword Coast. It, yeah. yeah, and Volos if you want to get a Volos, Volos. Yeah, yeah, I suppose Volos. So yeah, yeah. I mean it's five bucks. Yeah, it's yeah. really not much. Yeah. Uh, five bucks for the, as many years as we've had. It's not. It's not too much to catch up on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, you got twenty seconds left. If you have one more thing you want to say. Uh, hi everybody. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, then we will take a break from Sam right there to thank our sponsor, Noble Knight. They are continuing to support us. They are a brick-and-mortar game store who has an online store that specializes in finding out-of-print uh, while still carrying the new products. 
My pick for this episode is uh, Dragon Mountain. Have any of you guys ever run Dragon Mountain? Heard of it. Yeah, long, long time ago. Yeah, so this is a second edition box set adventure. It was it was meant to be like lots of kobolds. Yeah, so like, yes, and and the first line is like it's the ultimate dungeon master fantasy because it's a box set that has you know three books and and ma- fold out maps and account and sheets of counters and eleven handouts for players and new monsters and then like fourteen more cardstock sheets that have additional like maps and images that you can show the players and all kinds of stuff. So it's, the whole point is it's like a whole campaign in a box. Uh, and I, I I used it several times. I never had anybody play all the way through it, but we used it several times in our campaigns because it's this weird mountain that like moves through the planes and that was sort of the way that they justified it being on any world that you wanted to play it on uh and there was a mountain uh, there was a this big mountain with a dungeon in it and there's a dragon at the bottom and i don't even remember what the MacGuffin is that you're going in after or what you're stopping or what have you but it's just packed and packed and packed with kobolds Uh, and it's one of those weird things where um the game is designed to remind us oh just because they're a weak monster doesn't mean they're not a threat when there's a million of them you know, so and they're they're tricksy. You know, like yeah. I know that kobolds are often thought about in that way nowadays as sort of the default. Yeah, oh yeah, kobolds are tricksy. They can move and whatever. But that was sort of the first real like focused box set that really showed what they could do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but and, unfortunately, and... you know, it becomes kind of a a, a slog towards the end because it's so many. You oh, know, yeah, yeah. It, it's. It's you have to sort of run it really well to to get to evoke it, but not make it a, a grind. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. You you, you want to make sure you're you're and, and I suspect many people who might be uh, looking at it on Noble Knight would uh, would probably be doing some changes and, and tweaks anyway, and possibly running it in a different edition of the game. So, uh, oh yeah, so it's for not, sure. Not hard to make some of those tweaks and changes as you go. But I remember coming back to it a lot. Um, and, and like I said, we never ran through the whole thing, I don't think. Maybe once. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but Dragon Mountain would appear in many of the campaigns as, as just a short side quest sort of thing. And, you know, duck into this one, and find this one spot and get back out kind of thing. So Nice. Um, or I remember or, it being really fun. So. Yeah, or, or moving people to another world. That was always a, a thing to do, too. Hey, there's this mountain. It's full of kobolds and this dragon with lots of treasure. Hey, let's go in and get it. Oh, no, we're getting all beat up because, you know, we thought it was kobolds, but it turns, turns out we're getting our butts kicked. Time to get out. What? We're in a different world now? Because the, <laughs> the mountain moves. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. Anyway, uh, Noble Knight has several copies of it, and uh, their cheapest copy right now is $28, so which is not too bad for something that has been out of print since 1993. So there you go. Check it out. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, I normally devour noble knights. But right now, I do have one noble knight I love. And that's noblenight.com. Noblenight.com is so awesome. And it's tasty. I get all my gaming products there. New and out of print, and I can sell my products when I'm not using them. Now, I need to go capture some villagers and sit on a pile of treasure. Thanks. Uh, Next up is me. I'm going to put 15 minutes on the clock for me. 
started. Uh, so I am still running my, um, well, technically I'm running two games, but I usually talk about my uh, post-apocalyptic fantasy Earth uh, campaign. The other one is my, uh, my middle schooler group, and we're running... Um, Several episodes ago, we had I was talking about this, and we had uh, uh, David on to replace Sam for an episode, and mm. and I was trying to figure out what to run with him, and he recommended um, an old fourth uh, old a fourth edition um, Adventures League adventure path sort of thing, and I've been running that for him, and it's and it's just about perfect because each each session um, we can get through like one chapter of the Adventures League adventure, right? So. Mm. Um, that works out just about. Some of them take two, depending on how long they are, uh, how long it takes, because we have a big group of like nine or ten kids playing uh, at one table. So it's a pretty loud and, and boisterous group of people to sort of wrangle in and get focused. <laughs> so sometimes it takes two sessions to get through one, through a chapter, but uh, you know, there's eight chapters in the whole overall storyline, and it's working out really well. It's the it's the is it the everlasting war or something storyline where the drow have darkened the sky on in. Uh, in the Forgotten Realms, and are leading a a, a war against uh, yeah Mithril, everlasting Mithril darkness Hall. yeah everlasting darkness that's what it was yeah uh, and so that's yeah that's the one we're doing so we're about halfway through at this point I think um, but it also means because we go so quickly through it that they're getting to level up their characters you know if not every session every other session so they're getting a sort of a breadth of, of experience with fifth edition so i think they're having fun um if you know if not occasionally frustrated because there's nine or ten people at the at the table and it's hard to get everybody focused at the same time so. right <laughs> but in my uh my post-apocalyptic fantasy earth let's see if i remembered all my adjectives uh, game <laughs> where I've mashed up uh, the Rod of Seven Parts, the Princes of Princes of the Apocalypse, and the um, Out of the Abyss, uh, as well as some some homebrew stuff with these bug-like hive mind creatures that we just call the Hive, and these uh, automatons which are converted or not even converted, just imported uh, gear forged from Cobalt Press um, because one of my players. Wanted to play one. Well, he wanted to play the the old Japanese robot programmed with the entire catalog of David Bowie songs. <laughs> yeah, he's the bard. So, uh, so we're playing through that. We got through the end of. Uh, they basically cleared out um, the Temple of Black Earth in the Princes of the Apocalypse storyline, uh, which has been like their goal since episode or since issue one or issue one session one. That makes more sense. <laughs> hey, it's a, it's a you know yeah they they come in issues they that's okay yeah um, so since session one their their first mission as a group was to rescue this dwarven delegation and I've put a couple of surviving members into the temple of the black earth and they finally got them one of them was in the torture chamber room they got him out uh, and he you know and then another one was being held prisoner by there's a, there's a Dow being held um, not even held. Having been hired by the Temple of Black Earth to you know create weapons for them, be a smith in their forge, and so one of the dwarves uh, from the delegation was being forced to work on the forge with, for the Dao, and they charge in uh, against the Dao, and they're like, uh, "Yeah, we need that guy," and he's like, "Yeah, uh, he works for me, and I got no beef with you. We don't have to fight, but you know, you got to buy him off me because they're big slavers, right?" <laughs> so. So the party basically had to consent to purchasing um, 
the the dwarf to get them free. Uh, from nice. there, they they also finally put to rest the the ghost. I don't know if I ever told you about the ghost, little Baskins that had attached himself to the to our barbarian, and spoke in a Cockney accent and just completely drove the barbarian crazy. <laughs> like the barbarian hated that this ghost was attached to him. And here I was trying to like have a quirky, fun little thing that the character could like get the spotlight every now and then, you know. And then it turns out he decided that his character just absolutely hates the stupid ghost, right? <laughs> so they finally found the ghost body and they put it to rest. And as a, as a thank you, he opened up a passage to the ghost way, which was a shortcut uh, into the the mountains of rock, which are where the modern day Rocky Mountains are located. Let's see what I did there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they got to the mountains of rock, but it didn't exactly drop them off where it was supposed to, which is... Um, um, Gontelgrim for the council with Bruiner for Out of the Abyss because they're starting to worry about all the uh, demon lords and things, but they're supposed to bring the dwarves with them because they're from Gontelgrim, right? So it all connects. Uh, but it didn't drop them off there. It dropped them off at a, uh, a cloud giant castle hovering above a, a mountain, you know, some hours away from Gontelgrim because I needed them there for part three of the Rod of Seven Parts. Where nice. there, where there is a, um, there is a fire giantess who uses the third part of the rod of seven parts as a hairpin, uh, <laughs> and is in the process of marrying off her daughter to the cloud giant's son to create an alliance between the giants. Mm. And so they they kind of pop up in the middle of that, and they're like, "Oh, trespassers!" and they deal with all of that, and have to sort of bluff their way through, and and. There was some some stealthiness. Our uh, one of our newer players that joined us recently got to have a spotlight where he's because he's the monk, so he he's the stealthy one of the group. So he like snuck down to where the the hairpin slash rod piece was being held because they wanted that before they left. And it turned out that the uh, the giants have a um, a silver dragon, but a, like a, a hatchling silver dragon locked up in their dungeon be, uh, that they're going to uh, cook up and eat as a special surprise treat for the wedding. <laughs> but but it turns out that two stone giants who have been called in as witnesses are actually polymorphed silver dragons, and it's the parents who are there looking for their their hatchling. And so when they get found out, they leave, and pretty soon um, there's you know as he's sneaking around, suddenly there's two silver dragons like strafing the castle and attacking and uh, destroying everything, and so they're trying to to grab their hairpin and somehow find a way off of this floating <laughs> castle. Uh, without you know crushing themselves on the ground below, in the middle of a battle of giants versus silver dragons, so there was very little like combat. Like I don't think we went through the entire session and nobody rolled initiative, but there was a lot of like dealing with the craziness of being in the middle of a battle and just trying to get through it. Hmm. Uh, and so that cool. wrap that wrapped up, uh, and they they managed to escape, uh, having stolen some griffins from the giants. Um, which they then later fed to the silver dragons that they met on their way to Gontelgrim. Um, so, oh, hey, thanks for the distraction. Have some griffins. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they got to Gontelgrim and were greeted, and finally the, the dwarven delegation made it to where they needed to be. And we're sort of setting up for the, the council. Like, they've had their meeting with Bruner, and they've been debriefed on what they saw in the Underdark and all that. 
Uh, and so then we then we stopped with it. And next time we'll have the council and, and the party and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I'm setting up for. I've got a handful of places or, and elements that I've like been brainstorming of, oh, I need to – It'd be cool if I fit this kind of thing in there, or what if I did something with this? And hey, I'm li- listening to this book, and that thing is really cool. I want to put that in my game. And so I've got all these ideas of things to fit in, and I'm not quite sure how to fit them in. And some of it's because some of them like sit on top of each other and feel too similar of an idea, but they affect different characters. So I'm just not. I, I'm I'm all over the place with some of these things. So like, I had this idea that uh, we so we have a barbarian in the group and. Um, the idea is that each party, each player helped create this part of the world that their character is from. And so this one character who's the barbarian is from sort of the, the typical sort of uh, Conan wild land, even though there's like noble savages and, you know, that kind of concept, right? Uh, and so I wanted to, to – it's the same guy that had the, the ghost attached to him. I keep wanting to find some way to to bring him out a little bit more and 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 hook him a little bit more. He's one of those who just sort of he's in, he's enjoying himself and he's contributing and whatever, but he just likes to sort of sit in the background and sometimes that's fine. I don't mind if somebody wants to sit in the background, but I like to give him mm-hmm. opportunities. So I had this idea of of having him come up with a a ritual that his people regularly do and it's time for him to do that ritual. And then let him sort of create that ritual and what it means and what it's all about and whatever and, and use it maybe as an opportunity to to give some hints about larger things going on in the world that they otherwise don't know about. Uh, but I also have the issue with my robot who has a damaged memory but he's starting to to advance and whatever. And the, the idea from the beginning was that I would have him start to recover some memories over time uh, and get visions of the past and, and that would give us some clues as to what the heck happened to the world. Um, but that feels a little too similar, like having two characters in, in one session sort of have something go on where they have visions that explain what's happening in the world, <laughs> you know, um, feels a little bit like one, it's a cliche, which I'm, I'm cool with because being subtle with these kinds of things isn't always helpful in a game. Right. Um, yeah. but I'm a little worried that it's too similar and then I don't know which one to do because I think one of them would be more into it, but the other one I want to give more opportunities to shine. So so thoughts on uh, ritual, barbarian ritual versus recovered memory? Hmm. Hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I guess um, – well, so here's my question. It, is it okay if the, if the ideas are very similar? I mean uh, I guess I'm, I'm not sure – where your dilemma is stemming from. So my dilemma is that the, the the result of this is is similar enough that it would feel like overkill doing it in one session. Like I think using mm-hmm. both the ideas would be fine if I did one of them, you know, this week and then another one, you know, three sessions from now. But in three sessions from now, I won't have the idea anymore. Like it'll be out of my head and I won't remember. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It might be okay though. I mean, maybe. Not everything needs to stick. That's true, but yeah. if I'm going if I'm going to do only one of them, my inclination is that the the one with the recovered memory from the the robot is probably more important to the larger campaign, mm-hmm. but doesn't fix my I want to give the barbarian a chance to to have the spotlight in the story at some point because he's right. the least connected to the larger story. Yeah, I, I right, and I guess I would always I would always tend towards if you have an opportunity to tie it to a character. Um, you know that that that's often a good way to go. 
Well, they're both tied to a character. It's just that the other, the robot character already has a lot of spotlight time. Right. That's what I mean. If so. you if you want to bring each person in. Right. Um, even if it might not fit quite as cleanly. No one, yeah. I don't know how much that'll matter. Yeah, and I could, I mean, I suppose I could always um, give the barbarian the vision that I was going to have the the robot remember, you know, or some similar things to it, and then... You know, the the robot can always repair his memory later and remember some different things and, mm-hmm. and just not do it in the same session. Right. Well, that's kind of what I was going to say was that the robot, he, his conditions, I mean, his circumstances aren't changing. Right. He's always going to be the robot that can possibly remember something. So in any session that you have in the future, he could possibly remember have something stuff. that, yeah, he could remember something. So. Yeah. I guess if you're worried about providing the barbarian player an opportunity to shine, then you should focus on that and make sure you give him that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because if it doesn't go over well or if he really isn't that interested or it just doesn't come off well or whatever, you still will have an opportunity to provide that information in a future mm-hmm. session with your that's robot true. guy. Yeah, that's true. And and there's always more bits of you know basically I want to be I want to provide flashbacks of the history of exactly mm-hmm. what caused the apocalypse and and tie it to um, like so they've recently recently they've they've discovered that the the robot that is the is the character but also they've discovered there's more of them out there um, are powered by the soul gems that are that are in the, themselves infused with the souls of a willing creature which really bothers the the robot character right he doesn't like right. the idea that that they've you know, torn somebody's soul out in order to to create them and power them. <laughs> Uh, and what and what he doesn't know um, is that I have plans to make it so that the soul that's in him is the original creator of the robots. It's the guy who came up with the idea, who gave himself up as the first sacrifice, ah, and yeah. put him. And so his own soul is actually the soul of the guy who who did the whole thing. And so he's got all kinds of visions he could have of why he did it and what he did. And, and so so it'd be like a series of flashbacks of going back to the world and figuring out what happened. Um, the other um, thing that I think I want to talk a little bit about it with my remaining time uh, is my hive creatures. So there's this this um, horde, this endless horde of of insectoids, and I basically use Thrycreen, but without the extra arms. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and they don't talk; they don't have any way of communication that the party knows of. And they keep attacking, and they keep attacking, and they keep attacking. And the larger storyline is that they're not actually bad, and they're not attacking you. They're super lawful. And there's this thing in the middle of your country that is um, a source of major chaos in the world that mm-hmm. that kind of ties into the larger apocalypse and, and why magic came back and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I, I wanted to – last session, I had this plan to reveal to them or start to reveal to them that these bug creatures aren't actually the bad guys um, mm-hmm. by, by having them when they meet the silver dragons, be, be, have the silver dragons be like, oh, yeah, we were able to kind of sort of communicate with them and we got some information and you know here's – they're weird and here's some things we understand. But that way they get right. some hints that these aren't actually bad guys. They're just not able to communicate and there's – they're trying to accomplish a very specific goal and you're in the way. Right. Um, so I didn't get that done. <laughs> I forgot. When they met the Silver Dragons, so, I just completely spaced on it. Yeah. And now I'm not sure is how there, to introduce it. Is there any way to get to allow the barbarian's vision of of the world to, oh, to sort of inf- in, inform their their 
perception of the the sort of the pseudo thrycreen creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the robot likes to call them Americans because he's based on David <laughs> Bowie, and David Bowie's afraid of Americans. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> the uh, yeah, you could do uh, what was it? Uh, Live, die, repeat. What was the name of that movie? The Tom Cruise movie. Uh, essentially, he they, they're fighting. Vanilla Sky. No, no, not Vanilla. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he's talking <laughs> about. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a Tom Cruise movie that came out recently, and the whole idea behind it is they're fighting aliens, but they uh, and Tom Cruise gets alien blood on him, and it and it puts oh. him in the same state that they're in, which is their ability to constantly jump back thir- uh, uh, a 24 hour day. Yeah, I kind of remember and that. He starts living over and over again this 24 hour day. Well, the way he got that was by getting like alien blood in his blood, and it sort of you know changed his mind. But there could be mm. a million ways where one of the characters might actually get a chance to touch the minds of these things, mm-hmm. and and could Ooh, could like learn, that. you know, could learn some of this stuff. There's a there's a book that I've been you know, spending seven years reading or something like that, um, called Pandora's Star. And there's a alien villain race in Pandora's Star that's essentially an, a giant weed. Um, it's a, a weed that grew off, it's called Morning Light Mountain, and it's because the, the original plant lived on the side of a mountain on its planet. And it, like all weeds, its goal is to just keep getting bigger and, and you know, it, seed, it sees its own survival as the only thing that it needs. And it fears everything that could potentially kill it. Um, but it eventually becomes interstellar. Like, it builds nuclear reactors. It gets mm-hmm. smart. It builds science. Except it always has this one single drive. And how how humans communicate with the giant weed is really kind of interesting. Like, what, you know, I mean, they're, they're physically or, or, you know, psionically how they connect isn't quite as interesting as trying to portray this strange, you know, completely alien way of thinking. Mm-hmm. That, you know, lawful makes, you know, even trying to tie an alignment to it might not make sense, right? right. It's just, no, exactly. It just thinks differently, yeah. Yeah, no, no, I, th- I like that idea. And, and that might actually be good because then I can do the, I could even do the recovered memories with Mr. Robot Guy. Yeah. And the barbarian has this other thing happen to him where he suddenly starts being able to hear the, the hive mind a little bit. Something happens yeah, and he exactly. starts to hear the hive mind. Right. Um, and, and get some clues as to what's going on there. That's awesome. Yeah. I like it. And my time ran out a while ago, so I've got lots of good ideas, but uh, I will take those and run with them. I, I have a game this weekend, so we'll find out in a few weeks when we cool. chat again how it went. Uh, before awesome. we move on to Mike, who I know is eager to talk, it's his favorite thing to do. It uh, is. We need to thank our patrons. Uh, as we always thank our, our $5 and above patrons, uh, Doug Palmer and Mark are still with us, so thanks to them. Uh, but we also have some new patrons joining us this month, Gene Parrish and Eric Mills. Thank you, Gene and Eric, for joining your patronage of The Tome Show. If you go to patreon.com slash The Tome Show, you can also become a patron over there. I use the site regularly to per, uh, to, to solicit feedback or, or what have you. Um, so if I need some ideas about what what we should be reviewing or what advice we need or what kind of episode do you want to hear or that kind of stuff. Those are the people that I go to to, to hear from because they're here for us. So go ahead, check it out at The Tome Show – or no, sorry, patreon.com slash The Tome Show. There it is. <laughs> and thanks again to Doug, Mark, Gene, and Eric as well as our, our other patrons. All right. Mike? I'm Yo. Gonna, I'm going to put 12 minutes on the clock. What? <laughs> okay, fine. You can have fifteen. <laughs> Yay! All right, go. 
Uh, so I'm still running Storm King's Thunder. Uh, I have two different groups, my Wednesday group and my Sunday group. Uh, we mostly play weekly. This last week I was at Winter Fantasy, so we didn't we, we missed a couple games. Um, and I think uh, Illness and I, I think something else made me miss another game or two. Um, both, I'm having a lot of fun with both groups because one is a set of Harpers and one is a set of Zinterim. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from now on I am always going to ask the players to choose a single faction. Uh, when they put together a group, because that has been the best source of motivations, NPCs, and story hooks uh, that I've that I've had in a lot of these adventures. I think fact in 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 previous campaigns and in, in, you know in my in my run, factions are either almost completely ignored or central to the storyline, and when and they become central when I when I when I find like one group that's all Harpers and one group that's all Zinterim. Uh, it's also great fun for me because so much matters when it's tied to those factions that both groups are very different, even though I'm running the same adventure. Um, so my Harper group has been, uh, they just went to Tribor. They um, found that the Fire Giants are putting together a giant war machine called the Vonandad. Uh, and then they were sent to the southeast. Uh, I forget the name of the town, but it's uh, near where the... Um, uh, Deadstone Cleft is. Uh, they 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 had an, uh, a Harper agent was down there and went and went silent. You know, like the uh, Harper agent was trying to figure out what's going on down there and then disappeared. So they went down to the town and they found out that the town is basically empty. All the people are gone, and there was a Zinterim uh, temple to the gods Vim, uh, Yaktu's Vim, who's the mm-hmm. Bane, you know, Bane, one of Bane's children. And there was, well, was an the old... Bane, and it was the Bane replacement for a short time when Bane died. Ah, yeah, I, I knew that. Yeah, you no, did. So um, <laughs> I looked it up on Wikipedia. So um, there was this old temple to Zvim there that the Zintrim used to maintain. And they still, even though the Zintrim had changed, the Zintrim still took care of the temple, but it was kind of a secondary thing for them. Well, and, and I just left it there. I didn't, I didn't necessarily say it's a big part of the plot or whatever, but the group said, oh, we definitely want to go explore that temple. So I'm like, that's cool. Now I got to come up with the temple. So <laughs> luckily I had fantastic locations and I was able to come up with the temple very easily. So um, they now, went into the did, temple. Now in your world, is, is Zvim dead? Uh, yeah, okay. I think so. I just wasn't right. sure how yes. I was portrayed in your temple. He was dead. Well, so it's, you know, gods and who pays attention to what's going on with gods. Well, that's how, uh, ba- that's how Bane came back to life is he actually like birthed himself out of his own son and tore him apart. <laughs> so yeah. it was kind of cool. <laughs> that's yeah. And, and, you know, but, but in the, in the minds of the characters they are like, ah, we don't know. That's weird shit. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, we know it's an old temple. Well, so what happened? Yeah. So I'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll get to an interesting part about Zvin. So uh, they go into the temple. They fight big spiders. They go down into the basements. They find uh, they find a ghost. One of my characters got possessed by a ghost uh, who was a former like chamber ma- chamberman, like a like a like a, a valet, a valet of uh, Fazul Shembrel when Fazul was there. Mm-hmm. So now they've got this. You know, the guy's possessed by a ghost who was deathly afraid of Fazul and had served Fazul for many years, and then became a ghost. And lived in this place, and then they fought a, um, a the the priest of the temple who had been staying in the basement protecting this vault, and uh, the priest was a oh god, uh, it's a creature that was in um, Volo's guide, crazy screaming like a boat like a bodak. I don't know if it was uh-huh. a bodak, but there was some undead thing that screams and has a weird face. So um, <laughs> kind of like fought- kind of like the face the scream mask face. Yeah, that's yeah. the bodak. Yeah. It was a bodak. Okay, so they fought. The, the, the priest had turned into a bodak over time. 
And um, they fought the Bodak and killed him. And then they found that a vault known as the Dragon Vault. And all of the other challenges that they faced inside the temple were nothing compared to the Dragon Vault, mm-hmm. which was a five. It had all five dragon heads on it. And it, it locked the door behind them. And they're stuck having to, like, you know, they had magical traps and physical traps. And any of them they screw up, then the dragon heads are going to breathe on them. They're, they're getting, like, they have to reach into dragon mouths in order to try to unlock it. And the dragon mouth will bite down on them if they do it. So they were, like, really on the verge of death when they finally managed to simultaneously disarm two locks and open up the vault. And inside the vault, they found just shit tons of treasure, you know, piles and piles of treasure. And uh, one thing they found was a a black scimitar, a black bladed scimitar. And they could just touch it like, and like those who were trained in arcane could like feel a presence inside the scimitar that was really malevolent, right? Like a Mm. bad presence. So they're like, well, let's wrap that thing up. Nobody touch it. Let's wrap it up and figure out what to do. So they wrap it up and they're kind of going out. So then on their way out, they, uh, a big, uh, four-armed statue that's sort of like an altar to Eaktu animated and then fought them and it breathed it was basically a reskinned uh dragon uh so it breathed necrotic energy on them and fought them with with scimitars and everything mm-hmm. and they beat that thing down and then they go out and they go outside and down in the town that's nearby that they originally gone to they see a campfire and sitting at the campfire is um uh Zulkin from the seven snakes and he's sitting there with his lieutenant, like one of the okay, other. Remind seven. me who that is, then. So uh, early on in the book, when when the characters were in um, Nightstone, a group of Zinterim known as the Seven Snakes showed up, and uh, the Seven Snakes ended up taking over the town and becoming like the protectors of the town, while the party was busy rescuing the actual townsfolk. Oh, that's at the, so, like the very opening hook with the very the, opening hook. Yeah, yeah okay. so there's this group, and and I and I love the idea that there's like this sort of. To the Harper group, there's like their antithesis, mm-hmm. which is this Zinterim group that's also going around dealing with a bunch of giant shit, right? And they run into each other. Um, and the whole time I'm thinking, like, I definitely, you know, I, I want to have the Seven Snakes show back up again. But if they show up, the party's just going to kill them, right? There's going to be a big fight, and the party's probably going to win. So, you know, what, and, and, and then I think of, like, well, Zulkin's no idiot. So he knows that they're going to fight him. So what's he going to do? And he doesn't want to fight. Right. So I had this whole like I spent like a week thinking, like, how is Zulkin going to set this up? So Zulkin, him and his lieutenant are at a campfire and they say, hey, everybody, we don't want to fight. We just want to offer you some some rabbit. Come and have some cooked rabbit. We'll eat it first. So, you know, it's not poison. And we're going to talk. We're just going to have a conversation. And the party's like, OK, so they, they sat down and he goes, OK, before we freak out, just so you know, my guys, I have some guys and they're in the buildings around here only because I was worried that you're going to come out guns blazing. But since you're not. They're going to come out to we're all going to have dinner and have a conversation and everything's going to be fine. And they were like, oh, OK. So they had dinner and he goes, I know that you got the sword in the temple and I know that you know that it's bad. It's a bad sword. And I can tell you, it is really a bad sword. The Zinterim have been sitting here for 100 years, making sure nobody went into that temple and got that sword. And now you got it. And the best thing you can do with it is give it to us. Right. And I'm like, you know, and, 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 and I said to myself, if the party says no, he'll be like, well, OK, we tried and we're not going to fight you. We're just going to leave. Right. And they would because they don't want to they'll, they'll find some other way. <laughs> and, and and ta ta have fun with that really yeah, horrible right. sword you've got. Yeah, with right. horrible sword. And when the party knows it's horrible. So they're like, well, so they talked and they're like, well, is there anything better we can do with it? And like, not really. You know, and, and the Zent weren't lying. So they're like, OK, we'll give it to you. And he goes, and the deal is. I'll give you a bag of holding so you can carry all the rest of that silver, like 17,000 silver pieces that you found in there. 
you know, I'll give you a bag so you can actually haul all that shit because you can't haul it. They didn't have it. But haul. And so you get all the rest of the treasure that's in there. You get all the other magic items that were in there, but the sword needs to come to us. And the party's like, yeah, okay, that's a good deal. So I'm like, wow, that actually worked. Like <laughs> the Harpers negotiated with the Zents and no one died. So then the Zents went off. So now the group, so that was really fun. Uh, the group now found out that um, uh, they, they traveled to Deadstone Cleft and they had heard that there's like stone giants that are embedded in the walls there. But when they got there, they saw that the stone giants weren't just embedded in the walls. They had these black obsidian spikes that had been pierced through them and they were dead. Normally, the hmm. stone giants kind of meld into the thing and they go into this dream state. But these guys aren't in a dream state. They were murdered by other stone giants. And they discovered that these other stone giants are undead stone giants that follow a very powerful stone giant lord known as the Dodkong or the Death King. Uh-huh. And the Death King kind of woke up when the um, uh, uh, the, ordning? Uh, the, the ordning broke. He kind of woke up and said, "I'm going to take over, and I'm going to release. You know, I'm going to I'm going to take over the whole planet, and I'm going to yeah. fill it with." So he said, "He's a and some of that giant. is loosely based on what's actually in the book, right?" So none of the Dodd Kong stuff is actually in the book. I, I thought that think. I thought I, I know the Dodd Kong is mentioned somewhere. Yes, it's mentioned in the Grand History of the Realms. I thought uh, I saw somewhere time. associated with Storm King's Thunder that it was. I don't was think in so. There. Yeah, I didn't see it, but I, I suck okay. at reading these books. So um, <laughs> yeah, so I just made it up. But but the idea that they go there and there was a stone giant. The the the, the uh, I forget what her name is. But there's a stone giant queen that was going to kind of like raise the stone giants up in the in the ordning. Right. But now the Dodd Kong ended up way going past her, killed all of her stone giants, and they're converting her, trying to turn her into a stone giant, you know, some kind of evil stone giant sorceress or whatever right. that works for them. So the party is now in Deadstone Cleft. They just fought another stone giant white. So they fought another one before. Stone giant whites are really cool. They're like stone giant in stats, except when they hit you, they drain your life. Which is totally awful. Um, and the party just hates fighting them because they're just so awful. Um, so now they're going to rescue the townsfolk that are being that are being grabbed up and dragged down into the Dodkong's city, where he's trying to he's feeding them into a huge sacrificial machine mm -hmm. to try to tear a permanent rift to you know the negative material plane and fill the world with undead. That's his sort of big motivation. Um, the tricky bit there is he is way more powerful than the, the party's level six, mm -hmm. right? So fighting one giant is really hard. Sure. And, you know, he's got an army of them. So they're not, you know, they're, they're probably not going to get, they might go down there and see it, but they're not about to go take him on. And they've started getting hints like, um, uh, they found this giant stone with one of his runes on it. And they, you know, uh, uh, my wife's character, uh, Ryu, uh, a priest, you know, used religion to try to block the negative energy off of this and it touched his mind and she got a vision of the dodd kong who also saw her so now like they know of each other hmm. um so that's really cool so i, I don't know what their plan is like that now they're in there you know last night they ended halfway in there and they're um you know they're gonna go and they're gonna find like a hundred villagers that they're gonna have to rescue that are a bunch of these stone giant whites they're gonna have to figure out how to rescue them and then maybe find out a little bit more. And then they're probably going to have to go off and do something else because I'm not about to go down there and fight the, the Dodd Kong. Um, that's that's yeah, just one of your groups, right? You're still running multiple cool. groups? Yeah. I'm not, yeah. So the other group, I, I'll just real quickly, is they're, they're doing a much more traditional route. They're in Golden Fields protecting it from Hill Giants. Okay. The only neat thing there, they're Zinterim. So their whole goal is to build a protection racket for Golden Fields so that they're the ones that oh. 
administer security for all of the food that's going to Waterdeep. Uh-huh. And if they manage to fight the Hill Giants, they'll do that. So of the three um, locations at that point in the adventure, they went to the purest one in order to try to corrupt it. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> also like the closest one. So, yeah. You know, Although I really like either. the, what is it? There's, an, there's a, a treant or something in there. Yeah, right. that, so the treant is helping them. Right now, the, the game we're having on Sunday is the big war where there's like, you know, six hill giants and 12 ogres and a bunch of goblins. Mm-hmm. And they're in three different groups attacking three different sides. And the party got to decide who's going to defend what side and the tree is defending one side. Mm-hmm. So they'll, they'll have this like giant battle of Helm's Deep, you know, getting attacked from three sides by uh-huh. hill giants, ogres and, and goblins. So that should be a fun. I don't know how the hell to run big battles, but... We'll yeah, figure it out. Uh, that's always. I mean, that's been tricky. <laughs> yeah, since. it's never. I've never done it well. So the I only time I've done it well was second edition when I had the old uh, battle system rules and I I did yeah. it that way. Yeah, I think I'm just going to have like there's a bunch of archers that are helping them and the archers do automatic damage to stuff. Yeah. They can direct how the archers apply their damage, but other than that, the party is just going to be fighting ogres and giants and stuff. Um, so it's a lot of fun. I'm still not crazy about the design of this adventure. I think I've mentioned that before. Uh-huh. And, and the big part right now is I feel like there's all of this stuff in Chapter 3 that I'm not using and probably will never use. Uh-huh. And mm. I don't know, like, it's it's harder, more so than Curse of Strahd or Out of the Abyss or, or uh, Prince of the Apocalypse. I don't know how to squeeze enough out of this one. Like, uh-huh. I feel like there's no way I can run it where I can run a lot of it. I'm always going to miss a lot. Right. Um, I also don't know, like, there's so many. There's, like, 110 little subsections in Chapter 3. Mm. And I don't want to miss the good ones. Like, I asked Twitter, I'm like, which which ones are the real, you know, which ones really are exciting? And I got some suggestions, and I highlighted them so that, okay, the the Klaust, the Klaust Vale thing is really good. And, you know, the, the you know, obviously you have to do a thing with Harshnag. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm definitely, but I think Harshnag's going to just fall in, literally fall into the adventure at some point. Yeah, yeah no, I've, I've, I've sort of... Like, goes up and kills something i've know. sort of gotten to a point where I, where i keep that book near my game with the idea mm-hmm. of well if i ever need a cool location or a giant layer or whatever like i've yeah. got i've got some cool ones already pre-built because all the stuff that's in there is well designed and, and well built but there's just not enough story to hang it all on to, yeah. to take me from place to place so right. i'll just keep it for the locate the individual locations which are all kind of broken up anyway and don't really fit together that well as it is and just squeeze them in wherever i need them yeah, yeah i mean i just when i think when i look at chapter three like i kind of like it but i'd rather i'd rather it was a smaller number of more detailed places than the large number of very sparsely detailed right. places uh but hey whatever wishes are horses um wishes are horses wishes were horses we all would ride um and hope is the thing with feathers what what about feathers <laughs> sorry that's a poem <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see uh how yawning portal fits into this i mean that's coming out in a month yeah and you know i'll probably drop some yawning portal stuff into this as well sure i mean you're making uh, up a lot of it as you go anyway so yeah, right. Yeah, and, and, and particularly with my Wednesday group, I'm making up a whole lot of it. Like the whole Dodd-Kong thing, again, I don't think it's in here. Um, it might, maybe there's something in here, but I don't – There's he's I, certainly I, not in I remember there being an, an allusion to, to something to that effect, but I might be I, – I might yeah. be thinking of a previous conversation we had, so that could be it too. Yeah, there was a, there was a, page, there was a really interesting like page of lore about the Dodd-Kong that was in um, the Grand History of the Realms, and I've been milking that for all it's worth. There you go. We need, um, we need more Brian James uh, in the realms. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and the neat thing about that is, like, of all of the giants, like, I, the, 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 
you know, their motivation, their motivation also isn't real strong. And the, and the Stone Giants is like, well, we're just going to go dick with people. Right. You know, like there's not a real strong reason for why the giant. So the idea that, no, here's a stone giant lich who's trying to tear open a rift into the negative material plane. That seems, you know, I like that. But that's that's way more epic than that. To me, that feels like, ah, OK, yeah. that's something we can deal with. And and they actually, I like the fire giants a lot. I like the idea that they're going around trying to get the pieces of an old war machine and yeah. put it back together. Yeah, and I like cool. the idea that the cloud giants are going and stealing old artifacts from the war between the giants and the and the dragons 30,000 mm -hmm. years ago. Uh, I don't like the idea of a hill giant, a great big fat hill giant that's eating herself to death. I mean, um, it's it's cute, but I guess I don't know. Body it's shaming. Not, it's it's cute, but not compelling. Is that is that yeah, I think that's right? So I don't even know what I'm going to do with that because I think one of my groups is heading that way, and I'm like, I don't know. I'll figure out something. You know, that's yeah. that's more of a hey, that's the rumor, and that's what everybody thinks is going on, and then you get there, and it's totally different. I yeah, maybe right. You know? Yeah, maybe it's like a goblin that's leading them all, and he wants yeah. to be the. Thing. that might be more fun i don't know what i'm gonna do with that um yeah i i have mixed feelings about the storm king's thunder book yeah yeah i do too i i i do not like it as nearly as much as i liked out of the abyss and and uh curse of Strahd. i thought those were yeah, was, yeah i think those though, were, I, you know as much as i'm get, going through a, I'm, I'm mashing up and trying to get through a bunch of things all at the same time um and i'm enjoying doing that and it's going really well i i feel like um the next published adventure i'm going to run is probably going to be curse of strahd um because it's cool and i've done a lot of ravenloft in the past and i wouldn't mind going back to it um but i i, I i've I, and i said in the original review like i've i don't feel any compelling reason to pull out storm king's thunder and actually run it as as written so yeah you know good on mm -hmm. you getting that experience and reporting to us how it's going but uh yeah well and particularly if the next adventure is going to have all the giant layers <laughs> in five in fifth yeah. edition like yeah. now I've got two fire giant layers and I've got two hill giant layers and you know like really yeah. yeah well that was the other thing you know when I read about the tales of the yawning portal I'm like okay well now I have even even less reason to oh, yeah. yeah to do right. storm king's thunder you know but it's it's fine I mean we're all having a good time I like it a lot oh, yeah. I mean when yeah. the, the the dollar value that I get out of these adventures is always way higher than almost anywhere oh, yeah. else you yeah, know, yeah like yeah. squeeze a lot of joy out of these books and uh, and I do like uh, uh, having a book that's so heavily set just in the sun in the in the the Sword Coast. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're, you're getting a lot of uh, setting exploration that um, yeah. you haven't really gotten in previous books. So yeah, yeah. Although there were a lot of those old PDF adventures um, that were out during that transition period between fourth and fifth mm. um, that had a whole lot of that too. You know, that uh, a lot of stuff in Daggerford. You had the whole uh, Dragon Spear castle right right well and you had you had like uh, murder and Baldur's gate but that you know there but those those all seemed more much more focused like you get a lot they were, of but like setting together in. yeah like it, it it's interesting they could they could almost make a hardcover of all of those of all of those adventures the the whole scourge of the Sword coast series yeah uh, they, i mean i guess they already have a hardback of the uh of, of dragon spear um, but it would be neat, like that. That feels like almost a more solid Sword Coast adventure. And then, of course, you have Rise of Tiamat, which is all over the Sword Coast as well. So, right. I guess I guess the Sword Coast is now really well trodden ground. Sure. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so it's neat. So I'm happy, I'm having fun. Well, good. Uh, and your time is well passed as well. So uh, I think we'll we'll stop you there, especially because we're also right at about an hour. So it works out well. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. Uh, any any last thoughts that anybody wants to, to share before we close up this episode? Nope. 
I don't think so. All right, very good. Well, then I think we're going to wrap up this episode, and we'll be back next month to talk more about our games. And since it's February, next month is only just a few weeks away, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, so we'll go talk then. Uh, until then, uh, say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Bye, guys.